Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Today you're listening to Lessons on Leadership, our weekly conversation with inspiring people sharing some of the stories and lessons from their journey. And, and the reason why is that networking can be scary, okay? It can be a scary prospect because it feels inauthentic. It feels salesy. It feels um, like somebody wants something from you or you want something from somebody. And so what, what I like to remind people is that this is really just, it's about building real relationships. We're visiting today with Alana Muller, author, speaker, and founder of Coffee Lunch Coffee. Alana coaches individuals and organizations how to build connections and relationships that last. You can learn more about Alana's work at coffeelunchcoffee.com. Now let's go hear the inspiring story of Alana's entrepreneurial journey and how those experiences have prepared her for her work today. Awesome. Well, it's great to be together. A great group uh, here and a lot of excitement, I know, to spend time with Alana Muller, who so many of us know. And if we don't know, we've heard about her because everyone's heard of her <laughs> and the awesome work she does. And it took me a while to uh, get lucky enough to sit down and, and meet with Alana. And I was blown away by all of the entrepreneurial leaps you made throughout your career, these leaps of faith where you made big changes and followed a dream and it turned into something new. And then that turned into something new. And I just feel like there's so many lessons from that journey that prepared you for all the work you do today. But for everybody that hasn't had a chance to hear that, why don't you go back and walk us through some of those big leap of faith career oh. moments that you've had that that you've turned into who you are today. Oh, Randy, thank you. That's so nice. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. I, um, I'm, I'm genuinely honored to be here and to see so many friends um, who I've known for many, many years. So it's, it's wonderful to see you all. Um, if virtually, so I'm glad everybody looks healthy and happy. So, so Randy, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, to hear you say it like that, it, it, you know, it's funny. I, I hadn't really thought of it the way that you described it, but truly, if somebody were to look at my resume, they would wonder like, what, what was the, what was the path here? How did you get from where you, where you started to where you are today? And what I would tell you is that you know, I could not have, I could not have charted this course in a way, you know, say 20, 30 years ago, I couldn't, I couldn't have put this down on paper, but the truth is, as I, as I look back at every position led to every next position led to every next position or opportunity. And, and the thing that I like to tell people is that to the extent that you can, it's really critical, I believe, to leverage opportunities when they present themselves. And so when I look back through my own career so far, and I hope for many years to come, I really see it as a, a series of opportunities as they presented themselves. So um, I, as many of you know, I'm from Kansas City, um, born and raised. I, I went to school in Massachusetts and then moved to New York. I, I was my first job, I was, a, I was a math major undergrad. I went to Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. And then um, became an investment banker. Uh, when I was hired, I, it was Chemical Bank. If anybody remembers Chemical Bank, now it would be JP Morgan Chase, which is kind of funny, just all the, all the iterations. Um, and I was doing junk bond origination. And honestly, I loved it. I loved it. So uh, I often tell people I'm a recovering investment banker. And I have to tell you, it, it was a blast. So um, no regrets about that. Um, after that, I, I went to business school in Chicago. And then was hired by Sprint, a little phone company that some of you may have heard of before, Harry Campbell. So, um, you know, it was, um, I, I had an amazing, amazing experience at Sprint. And honestly, it's one of the things that prepared me best for everything that was yet to come. Uh, so, so when I joined Sprint, I was part of an executive development program that afforded me the opportunity to really change jobs every year for the first three years of my 10 years at Sprint. And, and with really incredible, incredible positions, experiences, uh, access to people that I may not otherwise have had access to. And, and that's a big word for me, the word access. I think that um, to the extent that not only can we uh, see access for ourselves, but that we can give access to other people, I think that that helps others and it helps, it helps us as well. So I always encourage that. And, and by being part of that program at Sprint, I was able to do that. 
but I'll tell you, in, um, after, after 10 years at Sprint, I, I went to a one, day, a one day professional development event back at the University of Chicago in 2007. And frankly, it's an event that I go to every single year. Um, it's a kind of a, a, a day that I always take off to recharge my own batteries, to reconnect with people that I haven't seen in many years and, and just to learn something new. And I go and, you know, there have been some interesting and memorable speakers, but I don't always know their names. I, I do remember the, the other people who are part of the small cohort that goes back every year. Um, but in 2007, I had kind of a, a life altering experience. And, and that was that um, there, there were two speakers that year, 2007 at this little event. Uh, one was a woman, a gal named Daphne, who um, she and I had gone to business school together. Like me, she left, she left Chicago and went to work for a big company. She went to work for Kraft Foods. And I kid you not, uh, her, her title was, she was the brand manager of Cottage Cheese, which I know sounds very sexy. I know you're all very jealous, but she was the brand manager of Cottage Cheese. And what Daphne did is she took all the knowledge that she had as the brand manager of Cottage Cheese and she, she leveraged that and she left her job at Kraft. And the reason she left is she knew everything I like to say, soup to nuts, how to get milk out of a cow, process it all along the value chain, and then put a product on a grocery store shelf. So what, what Daphne did is she left to start her own yogurt business. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And in fact, all of the people who attend this annual reunion, we all said we wanted to be entrepreneurs, but Daphne was the only one among us doing it. So I will tell you, my brain started racing just listening to Daphne tell her story about her new yogurt company. The second speaker that year was somebody that some of you may know, a gal by the name of Lisa Mitchell, who at the time that I met Lisa, she was the vice president of innovation for the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, which I know you're all familiar with. And Lisa got up and gave a talk um, on the topic of networks. So if my, if my primary topic is networking, sort of the, the act of connecting with other people in a meaningful way, uh, Lisa was talking about sort of that physical manifestation, the, 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 the networks that sort of allow you to, net, to, to engage in networking. And what she said is if you leverage the relationships in your lives, uh, not only can you expand economies, but you can improve human welfare. And I have to tell you, my mind was blown. Um, you know, at that time, I was, uh, I was <laughs> speaking of sexy job titles, I was, the, I was the director of entertainment at Sprint. So that's a real title. I know it doesn't sound like a real title, but it was. And it was amazing. I loved my job. I thought it was the coolest job anybody could ever have. But when Lisa started talking about leveraging your relationships to expand economies and improve human welfare, I was like, I... I I'm not going to be pimping music on a phone anymore. I need to go do something else. And um, so I, I came home to my sleeping husband that night after being in Chicago all day. And he said, oh, you're back. How was the conference? And I said, it was great, but I need to talk to you. And he said, what's up? And I said, I've decided to quit my job. And, and he sat up in bed and turned on the light. And he said, what happened to you in Chicago aside from the brainwashing? And uh, you know, it, I just explained it's time for me to go do something entrepreneurial. But the truth was, I, I didn't have an idea in mind. I didn't have something specific. So I couldn't just walk out the door. It took me nine months to figure out how to appropriately and gracefully um, exit this wonderful opportunity I had at Sprint. Uh, but, but what happened next was I started networking because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I did know people, but I hadn't really been networking. I hadn't done anything like this. I mean, forget, forget Zoom. Um, I, I wasn't doing any networking because I was head down solely and overly focused on the four walls of my job. And uh, I realized that I needed to lift my head up and, and try to connect with people in, in a real way. And many of you on this call are people that I met with. So you, I know you remember those days, uh, but I'll tell you, um, after I was finally, I had the, you know, finally mustered the courage to, to, to leave my position. I spent the next nine months just connecting with other people. And in those nine months, I asked 205 people if they would meet with me. And thankfully 200 of them said yes. Um, so thank you to those of you who are on this call today for saying yes. Um, you know, it, it was those 200 people over the next nine months who led me to every new professional opportunity, every new community opportunity, every new social opportunity. And so, um, Randy, going all the way back to your question, uh, when, you ask the, the, when you ask about, um, you know, how did you go from there to here, 
Um, that's how it was leveraging relationships, leveraging opportunities as they presented themselves. And, um, you know, eventually I, I ended up taking a position at the Kaufman Foundation working for Lisa Mitchell. I ran an organization called Fast Track, which I know some of you are familiar with. Um, so I ran Fast Track for about four and a half years. And then it was time for me to go do my own thing. So I launched a company called Coffee Lunch Coffee. And what Coffee Lunch Coffee does is it trains people to build better, more meaningful professional relationships in an authentic manner that are mutually beneficial and, and bi-directional in nature. Awesome. We're already getting questions. Let's go over to Drew. Be nice, Drew. <laughs> what? No, why would you say that, Elena? Um, <laughs> you know, um, Elena, I think most people in here, uh, anybody who knows you knows there is networking and then there is networking. And they're two very different things. Yeah. Um, and I say it that way um, because of what you have helped me un- do. And, and you and I have had a mutual belief in what real true networking and relationship building is even beforehand. But it's really a hard question to answer. And I've, I think I've asked it before, but I'm going to ask yeah. it again. How do you deal with one versus the other? Because yeah. it's very clear uh, why people connect in LinkedIn is even getting worse because of it. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, <clears throat> thank you for the question. And Drew, you and I have spent a lot of time on this on this particular topic. And I think you you are a master of the real way to network and, and to build authentic relationships. So I, I appreciate the question. Um, you know, when I when I when I host a, a networking course or I offer a a, a workshop of some kind. I, I start every single, in fact, some, some of you have heard me do this. I start every single talk or workshop or, or discussion asking people how many of you would say that you love to network. And in, in a group of 100 people, I'll get about, about 10 and a half or fewer people saying, yeah, I love networking. And, and the reason why is that networking can be scary. Okay, it can be a scary prospect because it feels inauthentic, it feels salesy, it feels um, like somebody wants something from you or you want something from somebody. And so what, what I like to remind people is that this is really just, it's about building real relationships. Um, I will tell you, I'm not a big fan of transactional networking. I'm, I'm not, a, some of you may have participated and maybe you still do participate in BNI type groups and those are fine. I will tell you that I'm, I'm not very good at BNI type networking. And the reason why is I, I, don't, I don't carry my Rolodex with me and hand out cards in that way. Um, I'm much more apt to engage in organic networking. I hope that some of you um, have benefited from introductions that I've made. I've certainly benefited from introductions that you all have made for me, um, but, but they're introductions made through mutual connections where there was some uh, not, not a transactional sense to, to those kinds of connections, but uh, a, a real opportunity to build real and lasting relationships. And so um, transactional networking to me is, you know, um, it, it's very much, I'll, if, I, if, I, if I scrub your back, I assume you're gonna scratch mine. I, I see that there's a question, what is BNI networking? There's, um, there's an, it's, it's B, the letter N and I. So it's um, uh, Business Networking International. It's an acronym for an organization that basically puts little networking pods or cohorts together, which, by the way, can be very, very effective in, in certain circumstances. I, Steve Johns is on today. Steve runs uh, various groups, um, really, which are really pure mentoring kinds of groups, which I view as networks and cohorts that are rich and meaningful and what happens in the rooms that Steve Johns organizes stays in those rooms and people really connect with and trust one another and build those real connections. Um, transactional networking to me is, is very much, you know, if I give you a referral today, I expect one from you tomorrow. And, and I just don't think that authentic networking happens in that way. I think it's, you know, I know that this expression is sometimes overused, but the notion of paying it forward, I think that's what real networking is. And it's, it's much more about, um, I know that if I'm generous with my time, information and resources, that down the line, I'm gonna reap the benefits of that generosity in ways unimagined. And I know it sounds a little hokey, a little esoteric, but I have to tell you, I've received many, many, many more gifts and value from other people 
um, in the world than I've ever given. And I, I seek to be a generous person. I hope that I have been to some of you. Um, but I know that the, the bounty that I have, the abundance that I've been the beneficiary of um, is, is a result of people like all of you. It, it's a real and true connections. So Drew, I know that you have some particular thoughts on this as well. I'd invite you to weigh in as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, this is too good of an opportunity for uh, people to talk to you, um, but uh, it's a struggle, especially from somebody um, who doesn't have people in this area that saw me in diapers. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and I, we've talked about that as well. And I think Mike, Kenny, and, uh, you know, we, us military guys, and I think, they, you know, Dave Comar is in here. Um, becoming part of a community is not easy. Um, right. And I think we still struggle with that because we, might, we so much want to be part of a community, but at the same token, we're not part of it because we're either not from here uh, we didn't grow up here. We didn't, it's just, it, there's some nuances to that. So, um, but I, I really, I think what you, the way you're talking about it is what everybody probably in this room subscribes to. And I would sort of ask if they have other questions, because you are clearly a master at, at, at this ability to communicate effectively with people to see the true value of, an, of networking and relationship building. Thank you. You know, I see Andre made, made a comment that connecting for the purpose of building deep and meaningful connections is the only way to develop infinite relationships. And I think that's right. I think, you know, people can see through um, inauthenticity, if, if, if that's a good way to say it. They can see through that. Um, I, I will tell you, I've been asked before, you know, how do you, how do you keep in touch with everybody or how do you continue to build a, your relationships? I have to tell you over, I've been doing this now for a long time. Um, and, and I, you know, thankfully I've, I've made thousands of connections and I feel, I feel deeply grateful for that. And I know that if my initial interaction and then my next interaction, and then my next interaction with those individuals was real and meaningful and authentic, it's gonna be the next time. You don't have to keep in touch with people constantly to know that somebody's actually there for you, that they're actually a friend, that they're actually um, you know, looking out for you. And, and when it becomes transactional, that's the time to say, you know, I, don't, I just don't think that there's, there's mutual benefit to, to this interaction. Um, so I will tell you that by and large, like 99.9% of the interactions that I've had have been wonderful, but there are, there are a couple, and I could probably tell you, you know, list on one hand, um, those people who I, I, I choose not to be a part of, um, and not to incorporate them into my, my network, because I don't think that they, they come to the table with, um, I don't know, again, with authenticity. Let's go to uh, Mike. Thanks. I'm excited to meet you, Alana. I was just talking with Randy yesterday, and he said I was going to be thrilled with meeting you, and I am so far. So oh, well, I want to connect you. with you after this is over and and do the the lunch. Um, I love that. I um, I have a son who's 26. Mm -hmm. is involved in a group called the Loop here in Kansas City, which is a really neat group. Um, but as I kind of get around younger people, I feel like I see that they are, they're building these peer groups that are just like them. And it's really cool and fun to go and party with people that are cool and young and hip and just like you, but I'm always coaching him on, I kind of call that playing the short game yeah. versus playing the long game, mm -hmm. which is getting into a room that no one is like you and trying to get to know. So just wondered if you had any tips on how to, to, to coach, you know, some of these younger people. We have a, through the charity that I started, we have a, a group that we use their, their ambassadors for our, one of our events for a year. And so I run across young people like that. And so I'm meeting with them regularly. And, and as we're meeting, it would be really neat to hear tips and tricks to, to, to get them to understand the value of not only the group that's just like them, but I use my rotary group as a, yeah. as a great example, you know, most people in that organization are not there expecting anything from anybody else. They're a lot older yeah. to go set as a young 28 year old female to set at the old table with all the old dudes, you know, is uncomfortable, but 
incredibly valuable. So 100 percent. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I think your point is so well taken and you're right. I mean, it's uh, there, there's comfort in numbers, right? So if, if when you know, when it's a known quantity, when you know people who are just like you, it feels really comfortable. Um, what I often recommend to people, irrespective of age, is that if you feel uncomfortable going into a networking situation, bring a buddy, just don't be attached to each other the whole time. Um, you know, you, I, I, I say that you can kind of weave so you can come together and then go apart, come back together and go apart at a networking event. I know right now networking events are, we're kind of in a strange time where people are unsure if they're getting together in person or not getting together in person. There's a lot of Zoom interactions. Um, but, but what I would say is this, um, first of all, especially for young people, recognize that you have something to bring to the party as well. Like there's not, um, simply because you possess youth does not mean that you don't have value to add to a relationship. In fact, there is something that youth have that um, older, more mature, more seasoned, more um, experienced individuals do not have, and they have this. They have a technology know-how and they embrace technology in a way that as people get older, they no longer do. And it, it happens gradually and over time, but, but young people are fearless when it comes to technology and social media and, and, and new opportunities. And so the, the fact that young people can really be the experts on that, I think is, is meaningful and hugely valuable to more seasoned professionals. Um, the other thing that young people have that more seasoned professionals have is they have sort of the pulse on what's going on on the street. And what I mean by that is they know what the trends are. They know what people are talking about. Um, they're watching popular media and popular culture. And so especially for any of us who are in any kind of retail type of business, and I don't just mean brick and mortar. I mean anything where we're selling something, a young person has a better sense for how people are receiving those products and services than people sitting in more of an ivory tower have. And so that's the, the first bit of advice I would give to a young person is recognize that you have value to bring to the interaction. There's always value to exchange. Um, and frankly, when there's not, that's when, that's when the relationship is no longer meaningful. The other thing I would say, and Mike, this is exactly to your point, there are, there are again, more seasoned individuals who would love to hear from a younger person. They're, they're just chomping at the bit to share their own history, their own background, their own experience. And, and frankly, people love to talk about themselves. So to the extent that a young person gives a more seasoned person the opportunity to do that, it's a match made in heaven. And, and it's, you have to, I know that it can be scary. Uh, the worst thing that happens is the person says no. And frankly, they're almost never going to say no. I told you that when I first started networking and though, you know, way back, way back um, 2000, in the 2000 sort of um, eight, nine, 10 timeframe, the, the, in those first nine months, I asked 205 people to meet with me and 200 of them met with me. And I don't know if that's a big number or a small number, but that's my number. And the truth is that I know the names of those other five people. And I say it kind of as a joke, but I really do. I know their names. I know the names of the people who said, no, I won't meet with you um, because it hurt. It was really painful. Um, but frankly, they're irrelevant. It was the 200, again, that led me to every new opportunity. And so to the extent that a young person can get that in their mind, that that most people, irrespective of age, experience, background, are going to say, yes, I'd be delighted to meet with you. Uh, I, I think it can be incredibly fruitful. The other thing, Mike, that I would say is that all of us on this call, we also have to turn that question around and we have to reach back and pull somebody with us. And so to the extent that we know of a younger person, uh, somebody who's starting off in their career, somebody who's transitioned recently to a new profession, a new industry, again, irrespective of age, um, bring them along, bring them to a networking event, invite them to listen to leadership with Randy, uh, you know, one Thursday morning. I, I, I think what, what we discover is that uh, to the extent that we can lend a hand, that we can reach back and pull somebody along, um, that is something, it, it is, it, it's sort of bigger than the sum of the parts. It's, it's, it's a, a snowball effect in a very positive and meaningful way. So I, I hope that answers your question. That was fantastic. Thanks. Thank you. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff. Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm good. It's um, great to see you. Yeah, great seeing you. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I think uh, part of it is, you know, I've had these discussions with some of the kind of master relationship builders in, in the city. You know, how do you balance meeting new people that reach out? And obviously you get a lot of those based on what you do. Keep it in contact with your current you know, colleagues and, and, and network and doing your day-to-day business tasks. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your viewpoint on that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's the old expression about a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And so it's really, really important to maintain current relationships. Um, as I said, you know, we all we all have the same 24 hours in a day. We're really busy. I, if I took a poll of everybody on this call, and I won't do it right now, but I, I'm I'm guessing that none of you would say you have a lot of free time. And so um, we're we're all just kind of making it work. We're we're trying to balance every single day. Um, and so I don't think it's necessary in in a to keep in touch with people in a way that is um, artificial or, you know, very much by rote. There are people who do that, who literally keep a list of people and they go through them about every six months or every three months um, to, to keep in touch. And that's fine. And frankly, if you have somebody in your network who expects to hear from you, in my case, it's my grandmother and she wants to hear every single day from somebody in my family. Usually it's my child that she wants to hear from, but if she doesn't hear, she's mad at us and she's really important to me. So we try to keep in touch with her every single day. Um, Most people don't expect that. And so um, Jeff, I I think that you actually are, uh, you do an incredible job, I think, of keeping in touch with people who are already in your network. You, You are not shy about just dropping somebody a line and saying, I'm just thinking about you. Here's an article. Here's a book. Um, what can I do to help you? So I, th- I think you do this masterfully, actually. And, and I would encourage all of us to, to do that to the extent that there are people in our lives that we want to stay in touch with. Do that. Do that. And it doesn't mean that it has to be every week or every month or every quarter. It, it's sort of, again, if your, your interaction the last time was authentic, it's going to be the next time as well. So, so I would say that that's really important to me. In terms of, of new connections, those are also important because I think it's important to continue to expand and, and broaden our reach, um, again, in a real way. And so um, one of the things to, to keep in mind is it doesn't have to be, if somebody reaches out and they say, I'd love to get together, it doesn't have to be today or tomorrow or next week or in the next month. It's, it's when the time is right. Um, uh, for me, you know, I'm, uh, and I know for many of you, I'm often running four weeks out, six weeks out to connect with people, especially if there's not a particular um, urgent need to connect. And so to the extent that we can all remain flexible and, and open to, to connecting eventually, I, I think that can happen, uh, that can happen um, appropriately. Um, you know, I, I joke that the name of my company is Coffee, Lunch, Coffee, and, and where that came from is the way I structured my days. So again, as, as you all have helped me to, to share, I, I don't drink coffee. So this is not about, this is not about consumption. What it's about is carving out regular dedicated time in your life to connect with other people. And to Jeff's point, both people already in your relationship base, so pre-established, pre-existing relationships, as well as new connections. And so the idea for me, it really is coffee, lunch, coffee, a morning meeting timeframe, a midday meeting timeframe, and an afternoon meeting timeframe. And frankly, when I first came up with that, it was caught the idea of coffee, lunch, coffee was kind of a joke, but the structure was not, the structure was very specific. Um, But it's people know what you're talking about when you say you want to go grab a cup of coffee. They don't really care what's in the cup, right? They don't care what's in the cup. What they care about is is having those 20, 30 minutes with you. And so, um, you know, to Jeff's question about how do you balance that? um, I I can't give you a direct answer that is, you know, fast and and hard. But what I can tell you is um, make sure that you're nurturing the connections you already have while also welcoming new people into your lives. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Andre. You you know I love all this, right? This is this is hitting all the things that give me my juju, right? So well, you could you could get up and give this talk, my friend. So uh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I I'd much <laughs> rather hear it from you, my friend, uh, on this. Um, I so I so love all of this because I think oftentimes in in, in there was a conversation about military being able to network organically. 
my thought has always been, and I'd love your feedback on this, Alana, is when, when we were talking about our young folks, and Mike mentioned this too, so many of them have connections, but they don't have connections. And yeah. what I mean by that is you couldn't pick up the phone of those connections that run organizations and go, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. You're just yeah. connected, right? So they're not deep. They're not meaningful. They're not intentional. So m- most of it is, how do you coach people in the mindset that when you walk into a room, coffee, uh, an, uh, an association meeting, whatever that is, to have right mindset? Because like many of us on this call, when we go in, our only interest in meeting with people is to figure out how are we helpful to them? Mm-hmm. How do we impact their life, right? And when you're not used to that, your interest is self-serving. So how do you coach not to be self-serving when you're meeting with people? Yeah, it's such an important question and, and concept. Um, you know, to me, and I'm going all the way back to Drew's question about networking versus networking, so to speak. Um, you know, from my point of view, the, the best kind of networking is it's, this is the, over the long haul, right? It's the long game, long tail networking. And, and what it's about, it's a series of touch points over time. And each time we, we touch base, each time we come together, we're establishing a little deeper connection and a little deeper connection and more trust and more commitment and more honesty. And so uh, for a young person, I think that we have to, we have to communicate that that long, that long game is really important, right? It's really important. It's, um, it's, we have to establish trust, you know, touch points over time to establish that trust. And so, um, you know, to the extent for each of us, again, whether a young person or a more seasoned person, I think we have to recognize that this is not about what have you done for me lately? It's what can I do to help you? And by asking that question, again, the rewards that you will reap, the benefits that come back are, are immeasurable, they're immense. And so um, I, I think it's something that people almost have to experience. And, and frankly, I think some young people end up experiencing it uh, to the negative because they exactly the way what you described, they expect that they're gonna get something. There's an, almost the assumptive close um, the, the assumption that they, that they deserve something. Um, and, and in some ways we've kind of fostered this in our society where it's almost that like woe begone approach, you know, every child gets a trophy. Um, there's not, a, there's no winners, there's no losers. Uh, and, and in networking, sadly that there, there can be winners and losers, but the truth is everybody can be a winner. Uh, if, if they open, if they're open to this notion that they're, 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 establishing and building a relationship over time that they can't expect that they're going to reap the benefit immediately, that it's, it's over time that benefit builds. So not sure I'm answering your question as directly as I could, but that's what I would say. Let's go uh, see if we can get Bob off of the treadmill here. <laughs> yeah. Just I, I stop for just for this. Alana, the, the, the difference in generations, uh, you know, and when you started and in my day, if you wanted to meet somebody, you met them. Now you and my daughter and certainly my grandkids and your kids have relationships that have never with people. They never see, never talk to. Yeah. So has network evolved to the point where, you know, my idea of, you know, meet somebody and look them in the eye uh, is kind of dead and gone. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, Bob. You know, here's what I would say. I don't think it's dead and gone. I think, um, you know, it's interesting when I remember when I was at the Kaufman foundation and, you know, um, we were coming out of a recession and there were, there was a lot of entrepreneurship going on. A lot of young people were getting into entrepreneurship and people said things like, oh, business cards are no longer meaningful or relevant. Business cards are so old fashioned. Well, you know what? Business cards are not old fashioned. Business cards provide useful and critical information to exchange. And so I think that networking is the, is the same thing. It's, um, it, there's, there's never going to be a replacement for face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact. Never, 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 never. And I know we're in this strange time where there are more people who say they want to work from home. They want to work in a hybrid fashion. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, and I think we're seeing this, especially with young people, um, the, 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 
the trauma and the, the mental hardship that people are, are suffering as a result of isolation, I think that there's never going to be a replacement for that face-to-face -face human contact. So I think we can call it old fashioned or we can call it generational. I think it's still really, really important. And I know, I know that um, for me, during the early part of the pandemic, when we discovered sort of the, the wonder of Zoom, um, I, you know, a lot of people complained about Zoom fatigue. I have to tell you, I think, I literally think Zoom saved my life. I'm not kidding you. I, the fact that you could actually see a human being, you could see the whites of their eyes, you could actually have a conversation and see the reaction. No, it's not the same as actually being in person, being able to reach across the table, being able to give them a fist bump or a shake, a handshake. Um, that, that was not the replacement, but to be able to see somebody was really important. So, so what I'm getting at is I think that there's going to be a hybrid. I, I think, you know, people talked early on about the new normal. We're in it. Like this is normal now, um, to be able to come together at eight 30 in the morning for a breakfast time conversation by zoom. This is normal. This, and, and we're going to see more of this. Um, but I hope that some of you today will leave your homes or leave your home offices or even your offices and go have a cup of coffee with somebody else. Um, go for a walk and, and run into other human beings. Um, and, and, and so I think that that's, there's never gonna be a replacement for that. And I think that as people recognize that, um, they're, gonna, they're gonna actually crave more of it. So even the people who wanna work from home, even the people who are okay with a little bit of isolation, they're not okay usually with a lot of bit of isolation. They, they need some human connection, some human interaction. And so I think that's really important. So what I would say um, to young people is get up out of your chair, out of, away from your Zoom screen and go see a human being out in the world. And what I would say to more mature people is be open to the idea that a young person may wanna connect with you in a digital fashion or a virtual fashion. And so to the extent that the generations can sort of bridge that divide, come together, um, I, I think that it will benefit everybody. So, and I would welcome if others of you have thoughts on this particular topic, I think it's a really important one. But I, what I would close with on, on that note is that I think the generations have information to exchange with one another about this notion of hybrid, of being sometimes together in person and sometimes virtual. Jump over to Harry, because I know he's got Sorry. some thoughts on, uh, on this age difference. Yeah, um, I wanted to provide a little perspective about the issue of people uh, congregating with folks in their same age group. Um, I want to challenge the older folks, and I'm one of them, by the way. I'm 60. I've been accused of spending all my time with 28 to 44-year-olds in this city, and that's because I like to coach them, mentor them, learn from them, uh, invest in them, and I, it keeps me young. I, I would say if you're in my generation, you, the challenge I would say is make yourself available to those folks because they a lot of times want you there but they're not even sure how to talk to you. They're a little weirded out about uh, even direct message you or whatever that would look like. And it's not that they don't want, they want to stiff arm you. It's that they don't know what it looks like. So I would say if you really want to do that, one of the best ways to get Top Gun, for example, which is the under 40 networking group that Scott Havens runs, that one of the best ways to get those people engaged with you is to call them and ask them if you can come and have a, do a program. And you'd be surprised. It's amazing. I, 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 I act like I'm 45. God, that seems uh, amazing to me because I surround myself with these people and they give me energy. It helps Kansas City. It helps me share my learnings. And by the way, the sneaky fact is I enjoy it. I have fun and I'd rather do it that way because most of you guys are too old for me. I don't want to deal with you. Hey, Harry, I got to say something there because I, I appreciate you saying that, but everybody in this room knows younger kids out in the business world. Kick them out the door. I, I say it that way, is, and, and Randy knows this. Um, I have these two kids fresh out of college that were, are in, were in the worst toxic environment when I came in. And I'm kicking them out the door, trying to get them connected with the right people to understand the business world is different than what they saw. Cool. Um, and, and I say it that way because one of them now is leaving that company is going to be working for Marsh McLennan because of a connection. But I, I urge you all to understand the power you have to literally kick these young kids out the door and introduce them to any one of these people in this room 
to sort of generate to them realize, realization that, holy crap, these old people actually know what to do. Uh, so thanks, Harry. That was awesome. I think I see your question in the chat. Um, why don't I say it out loud? And if I get it wrong, you can add another comment. Um, David asked, do you have any advice for people who work for the government and how they can get out and network with business people to expand their horizons? I mentor several, several rising senior civilians in the Department of Defense. They don't have a very wide network, but I believe they would benefit from doing so. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say, uh, especially for people who are working um, in governmental jobs, is that um, I would say, I was going to say for better or for worse, but I would say for worse, the, the, the media really sort of makes, um, makes an enemy for us out of the government instead of sort of saying what the benefits are and, and how it, it's, it's helping our community. And, and it, that's not a political statement, it's just kind of the reality um, that there, there's, there's a lot of mystery and intrigue when it comes to government work. And so I actually think that the broader community could benefit from learning about what's going on with people who do work for the government. And so what I would encourage government workers to do is to find networking events, find opportunities, come to things like leadership with Randy and, and find people outside of government jobs and tell them about what you do for the government and then ask what they do for the, in their industries and in their communities. And, and by expanding that, by eliminating the mystery and intrigue, I really think that we can bring the community together in a, in a better and more meaningful way. Um, so that would be my, my first bit of advice that it's unnecessary to network strictly with people in your own industry, be it the government or elsewhere, um, that it's actually much more fun uh, to broaden your network, to find people in, in a variety of industries so that you can actually learn from them and, and find out uh, what it is that they do professionally. So I, I hope that that is useful to you. Yeah. I don't know if you can you hear me now. Now I can. Thanks, David. Oh, okay. Great. No, I, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, the challenge is, is again, these are not uh, necessarily very young people, um, but these are pretty seasoned folks that, you know, run, you know, programs worth hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. and, you know, leading, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people. So the, but the challenge is, is I think oftentimes from the business community, uh, they don't see a lot of value uh, in getting to know these people and, and trying to learn about them and some of the lessons that they've learned uh, as far as uh, leadership, organization, et cetera. So yeah. I think that's one of the, the, the big challenges. Now, um, I, I don't know, I'd be interested to hear what uh, Drew and, and Tony and, and maybe Mike have to have to say about that. Uh, but uh, th those, those are my thoughts. And again, I think it like, it's, just like with the young folks, it's a two-way street. Um, they've got to get out and we got to push them out. And right. the same thing, um, the, the folks that I, that I work with who I've known for years, again, I'm, I'm trying to pull them out. Unfortunately, a lot of, several of them don't live around here. So mm -hmm. it's not like I can just drag them out with me, uh, right. but I got to try to talk them up and, and get some business friends that I have in the same communities to, to sort of adopt them and bring them out. So I, I appreciate uh, Alana, appreciate them. And I look forward to connecting. Same. I just looked you up on LinkedIn. We have like a hundred common connections. I'm not quite Perfect. sure how we, how we haven't <laughs> met in person yet, but. Now, now we have, I'm delighted to know you. Thank you. All right. I'm gonna, not to put words in his mouth and he can certainly uh, defend himself, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about something that Drew did when he was first uh, leaving the military that, uh, that I, I tell people about all the time and that continues to be a you know, wonder in a very positive way. Um, you know, when Drew was, was exiting the military, one of the things that he did in a very intentional manner was to find people outside the military to connect with. In fact, that's how he and I met. And, um, and it was sort of a connection of a connection of a connection of a connection. And the, the idea was to find people outside of your industry, in this case, outside of the active military, active duty military, um, to, to, to learn about other industries, to learn about other things going on. And certainly uh, he today continues to you know, lean back on those incredible experiences of having served 
um, but it also has far-reaching uh, both military and very much non-military civilian uh, uh, connections with people in a very far-reaching manner. And so to be very intentional about that, just as we were saying before, and, and I appreciate you saying that these are not necessarily young people, they're senior people, um, you know, to the extent that they're willing uh, to, to recognize the importance of continuing to make friends, continuing to put themselves out there, continuing to get to know uh, the community, being specifically outside the government in the case of your question, I think is really important and, and is possible. And it starts with one, right? So if they know one person who's a professional in any other industry, that's a great place to start. And it starts with who's somebody that I should know. And, and I simply want to get to know them and learn about their career journey. But, you know, the career journey is one of my favorites. It's the one that I used when I first began networking in an earnest. And, and it's, um, I, I have no ask of you except to learn more about your career journey. And I'll tell you what, everybody wanted to tell me about their career journey. I mean, Randy asked me that question to begin with, and I bet you all didn't think I was going to shut up, right? So it was, the, the idea is if you ask somebody one question, um, they're, they're off and running and they want to tell you about their experience, uh, not only because it makes them feel good, but there may be some value to impart. So, so I appreciate the question. And Drew, you can certainly defend yourself if you didn't agree with anything I said. I'm not necessarily in the right frame of mind to, to defend it. What I would say is, is that, you know, Randy asked me a question long ago about the one trait of a leader that's, that's so critical. And I would, I would say humility, uh, you know, I think coming out of the military, um, I had a, I have a lot to offer in the leadership side of things to the business world, but you have to be humble to the fact that you really don't know what you don't know. Um, and I, and I say it that way because I think everything is, you have to be objective about the way you reflect on what you've done and what you are doing. Yeah. So, um, people from, uh, outside the military who have seen a couple of cool movies instantly are able to articulate what they think the military is. And, and I challenge military people to actually show them who they really are because the movies yeah. aren't right. Um, and you all, people like you, Alana, and, and Randy, and Harry, and Steve, and the people I've met over these years um, have always helped me reflect on what I did provide and what I don't provide. Uh, and it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not an easy environment. And I would argue, I think, from 28 years in the military, it's harder today than it was the day I left the Army. Yeah, I think that's right. Mike made a comment in the, uh, in the chat. Uh, that that one of the lines he uses in the emails is, I don't want to sell you anything. I don't want to buy anything from you. I just want to hear your story. And, and I love that. The, the storytelling is so important. Not only is it engaging, it's fun. We learn something. It's a great way to, to get to know people. And, and I, I think that's right. Um, and the other, Tony made a great comment that in, in 2013, he reached out to Harry and Harry had no knowledge of who Tony was. Um, but that it was simply a get to know you interaction. And, and there was not any remuneration of some kind expected on either person's part. And, and what an important example of networking that is. And I agree with that. Elena, if I may on that, uh, except I know Harry doesn't want to be around me anymore because of my age after his so comment. You're way too old for Harry. <laughs> I want, to ask, I want to say also, Harry's the only guy I ever asked to meet for lunch, and he paid me $500 at the end of the lunch. So you, you, should, wow. you should really Harry, go to lunch with Harry. Harry, what Harry. are you doing today for lunch? <laughs> I, and so many people had turned me down for lunch that I was uh, just, thank gosh, that Mike said yes. So I had to pay him, for gosh sake. I love it. I want to ask... Um, Jacob a question and then get Alana's perspective on it uh, because Jacob's in that under 30 group that we keep talking about forcing out but but I'm not so old that I don't remember being intimidated like I would look at this group of all stars on here and think why would they want to waste time with me what's that like Jacob being under 30 do you find people are intimidated by you know how to even reach out and start you know what what are folks your age perspective on trying to just go network 
Yeah, I um, uh, you know, I don't think that I, I definitely think that it's it's for sure over the past two years, it's um, uh, it's definitely changed and transitioned a little bit with the emergence of technology, and everybody at this point has to rely on technology to connect um, in a lot of different circumstances. Um, but I would say that it's definitely not um, the intimidation factor is definitely going down. I think that um, specifically in age groups, you know, you'll see a counterpart, someone who's in that similar age group, they will bridge that divide and that will give you some confidence as well. So I think that in circumstances where I've been and I've seen kind of that age gap kind of gets um, broken down a little bit, it really just takes one. It really just takes one person really going across and being able to connect. Um, and so definitely, you know, when we talk about, you know, hey, I'm connecting with someone who's older, I'm connecting with someone who's younger, you know, it really just takes one person. Um, and you can really be an example, you know, to someone in that that similar age group to you. Um, and, and I definitely say that from my perspective of seeing my counterparts um, going out there and really being able to build those connections and really being able to um, in networking type events, really being able to dialogue freely and quickly. And I think that that's something that's just super encouraging and, and definitely is um, kind of a, a building factor for others. Yeah, I, I love what you said, Jacob. And, and this goes back to that notion of buddy up, you know, and it doesn't have to be a networking event to buddy up. Um, a lot of, you know, my pal, Scott Carson. In fact, I think that was the person who originally introduced Drew and me. Um, you know, one of the things, when I first met Scott, uh, who is an, he's a great networker, he and I, for him, it was kind of a competition. He's a sales guy. So it was kind of a competition who could meet more people, but one of the, he, he's one of the most generous networkers I've ever known. And, and basically when we were both in career transition, he would go meet with somebody and he'd come back and he'd be like, ah, oh, I just met with this great guy, Drew, you have to meet him. And the next thing I knew there was an, an email introduction to Drew. And, and vice versa, what we did with one another is we we introduced one another to the connections that we had. And so, Jacob, what your story is sort of reminding me of, especially for a young person and frankly, for any person, if if Jacob, for example, has gone and he's had a meeting with Mike and Jacob has another pal who is in that under age, that, that under 30 set, um, you know, he might say to Mike, Mike, I, I met I, I have a, a my my good friend, um, Joe is somebody who I think you would really enjoy talking with. And I know that he would really benefit from your wisdom. May I make an introduction? And so that's a, again, kind of a pay it forward sort of opportunity. And, and frankly, it does not really matter about age, but to Jacob's point, if you see somebody in your crowd, somebody that you can relate to, somebody who looks like you, um, kind of going all the way back to, to Mike's description of, you know, his son participating in, in groups that look just like him, um, you can say, uh, to your friend, I'm going to make an introduction to you, to somebody I recently met. I really think you're going to hit it off. And, and age at that point falls away and it becomes much, much easier to connect with that person. So thanks for your insight, Jacob. I appreciate it. Thank um, you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Libby had asked a question. Go ahead. Libby. Yeah, Libby. Hi guys. Good morning. Hi, Alana. It's good to see you. It's great to see you. So I want to take a little bit of the opposite tact. And I, I do think this is maybe what scares some young people. And I've actually experienced this myself where you're meeting with someone. So I'm like one of those 10 and a half out of the hundred. That's like, oh my gosh, I love networking just because I love to meet people and get to know them. But I have experienced where people are like, well, what is it you need for me? Like, why, why are you here? Why are we meeting? Mm -hmm. And so how can we best prepare and I think also even just help mentor the younger people that I know that do struggle with mentoring, do struggle with networking. How can we help them prepare for, okay, if you do get this question, here's a reasonable answer. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, two, two things to say about this. Um, one is that one of my favorite ways to invite somebody to meet with me is I send them an email and I'm not always a big fan of email. Cause I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm, I'm managing three very active email accounts. I get more than 200 emails a day. It is my worst professional trait. I will admit very freely. I, I, I miss a lot of emails because I, there's the heft overwhelms me. And I have not, I know that there's a lot of nice tactics out there for managing email. I have not been able to employ them. Okay. It's I'm really, really bad at it. Um, however, 
That said, one of the reasons I like email for inviting somebody to meet with me is that it gives the person on the receiving end an opportunity to digest what it is I'm asking for. So Libby, exactly to your, to your point, your question, um, when you say to somebody, and, and I even, the, the line that Mike uses, I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm not offering you anything. I just want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. It's, um, if there's something specific you're wanting from that person, tell them. Again, there's no reason to couch it in mystery and intrigue. If it's, um, I, I want to meet with you to learn more about your career journey, that's the reason you're meeting. Um, if it's, I'm organizing the gala for my favorite organization, and I want to tell you about what it would be like to, to uh, host a table, then tell them that's what you're asking for from them. So the, 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 the transactional component of meeting is very clear, is very clear. Um, if, if that moment has passed um, and somebody says, so what is it that I can do to help you? And I'll tell you with most of my, I try at least with most of my interactions, the way that I close out the conversation is I say, what can I do to be helpful to you? Or how can I be helpful to you? I really, really try to do that with every interaction. And, um, and by the way, to your question, I also try to be prepared to answer that question. And, and so what I would say for a person of any age is be prepared to answer that question. What can I do to help you? Well, the thing that you can do to help me is I'd like to meet, I'd like to meet three more people like you. Do you have, is there anybody that you can recommend to me? Um, well, I'm, I'm in career transition and I'd like to learn more about organizations that have a, a, a social component to what they do or organizations that are offering hybrid opportunities. Um, so, so we often have something that we can ask for. And then I would always encourage people to then in response, and what can I do to be helpful to you? And so um, being prepared to answer that question, I think is really, really important. When somebody says nothing, I'm, I always think, you know, what a missed opportunity. Um, and, you know, for me, I would, you know, when people say, what can I do to help you? Well, if you know of an organization that is seeking uh, you know, a speaker or a coach, I hope that I can be in the consideration set. And so that's an interest. I'm planting a seed, planting a seed, planting a seed. And so the same thing for each of you, uh, some of you are running not-for-profit organizations, you're running foundations. Uh, Randy is hosting this podcast every week. You know, the, there are things that we can do to be helpful to people based on where they are. And so even if somebody says nothing, well, okay, well, there is something I think I can do to be helpful to you. You know, Randy, I know this great person who you might consider for your podcast. And so I think that there are ways to, to offer help and to be of assistance, um, even when people are not prepared to answer that question. So I hope I've answered your question. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go over here to Steve. Randy, can you hear me? Yes, sir. You are absolutely incredible, Randy. I think week after week you present people uh, that teach us great things of value. Uh, having said that, you've now reached the pinnacle, I think, in my judgment, of finding someone who creates value in this great city of ours. Uh, just listening to Alana it just gets me excited. Um, she is... She has a value system and a mindset uh, personality that is so authentic uh, and so valuable. You know, I, asking everybody listening today, name one person who's accomplished great things by themselves. We've all done that through relationships. And uh, so Alana, uh, my question to you is, you're, to me, you're like a tree that produces fruit uh, every year on a continuous basis. And, and I, I believe this is a great city and we, business owners here, are, you know, bear the burdens and risks of business ownership, create economic opportunities for the rest of us. What you're doing, I think, is... Uh, so valuable, we need to find a way, you need to find a way to sustain it. So my question to you is, what is your long-term goal here? What are you doing to build sustainability? Uh, well, Steve, you humble me as ever. Thank you for your very, very kind remarks. I, I appreciate it more than I can say. Um, and you know, you and I have talked about this before. Um, 
you know, as, as somebody who for many years trained entrepreneurs to start and grow businesses in a meaningful way that, that where there was sustainability, I recognize that I have not really built a business to scale in a way that, that uh, can claim that. So um, your question is a good one. Um, a, a couple of the tactical things that I am, am working on and specifically for 2022 is that uh, for 2022, my book will turn 10 years old. So, um, and, and things have changed since I first uh, started networking in earnest. Uh, we, we have now this hybrid world. Um, I no longer drink Coca-Cola on a daily basis. So, so things have changed for me too. But, but tactically, I hope to update Coffee Lunch Coffee so that it really can continue to benefit people. Something that I took on late in 2021 uh, which Andre was a big help to me with, is I, I launched a podcast with Enterprise Bank called Enterprising. And um, what that has allowed me to do is to share other people's stories of networking. Um, you know, to your, your point, Steve, uh, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've been very lucky that people have been interested and curious about my networking journey, but I think there are you know, millions of other networking journeys that are really even more important to share. And so what the podcast is allowing me to do is to share other people's stories of networking from across the country. I also, um, you know, I'm, I am so proud and, and I love Kansas City so much. So I'm very proud of our, our city and our community. And I'd actually like to share that wealth uh, with the rest of the nation and with the world. And, and what, the, what I've now been able to do is to not only with the podcast, but with teaching, um, with, with facilitating events, um, as I've been able to, to carry the Coffee Lunch Coffee networking message, uh, not just nationwide, but globally. And so that's something that I'm, I'm working to do as well is to um, sort of highlight the benefits and the importance of building meaningful, authentic connections with other people around the world. And, and again, I often, even in this country, people will say, oh, you know, networking in California is different than networking in Kansas City. And the answer is no, it's not. Or people will say, you know, networking in New York is different than networking in Kansas City. And my answer is no, it's not. And I know that there are certainly cultural uh, differences based on geography or there's stereotypes about what a, a typical New Yorker is or what a typical uh, Los Angeles is. And I'll tell you, people are people are people are people around the world. And what I've discovered is that while sometimes my message needs to be acculturated based on geography, that at the end of the day, that people are people are people and building relationships is building relationships in any language. Uh, not to sound so trite about it, but um, Steve, I appreciate the question. And that's what I would say is that I'm trying to carry the, the benefit of the coffee, lunch, coffee, networking approach and other people's stories um, more broadly than, than simply my own. Please keep it up. Thank you. I think we're going to have to have you back because I think we could go for two or three more hours. Uh, but I know you've got coffee coming up sometime this morning, uh, so we can't keep you forever. Uh, let me close with this because uh, I have this conversation quite a bit, had it actually yesterday with, with Mike Meyer. Um, there is an ask component at some point in time in relationship building, particularly for the nonprofit folks on here. Harry is asking to come speak so that he can raise money for head for the cure. Kim is raising money for Braden's hope. Mike is raising money for warriors ascent. And the other Mike is raising money for band of angels. Carolyn's raising money uh, for safe and harm's way. And so you're building relationships, but everybody's going to that meeting knowing I know this person wants money, uh, <laughs> but there is a depriving. If you don't like my life is better because I'm, I support Braden's hope. My life is better because of band of angels and warriors ascent and, and head for the cure. And it's not just because of those charities it's because of the personal relationships I have with those folks. I love Kim and Harry and Mike and Mike and Carolyn. And so you're depriving people's lives, a chance to be enriched by not going out and making that ask. How do you weave that into something that doesn't feel comfortable and is awkward? Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I do a lot of fundraising and I have to tell you, I hate fundraising. It's hard and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward. And 
yet if I, if I try to be objective and introspective about my success, I've been really successful raising money um, and I still hate it. And um, two, two things to share with you on this. One is that you're right, you're depriving people the opportunity to participate if you don't tell them about the thing that's so important and, and telling them why it's important to you and why you're bothering to ask them to, for their consideration. The second thing I will say is that when you do ask somebody for money, if the answer is no, it's a polite thank you for your consideration. And sometimes the answer is no. It's just like I was saying, you know, um, we were talking about that series of touch points over time, coming together with people over time. Uh, to Andre's original question, you know, without expecting that somebody owes you something, how do you build trust over time? It's a series of touch points. And I'm no fool, right? I mean, this is not just for our health and, and good fortune. It, it, sometimes there is a transaction. Um, but if I call Steve, um, and Steve sees that it's me on his caller ID, I hope that we've built a trusting enough relationship that he's willing to pick up the phone and say, hey, Alana, great to hear from you. And when I say, Steve, I'd really like you to support the gala that I'm planning for my favorite charity. I hope that he'll at least listen to me. And if the answer is no, at least he was willing to pick up the phone. And, and sometimes that answer is no, but you know what? Sometimes it's yes. <laughs> And, and the other thing is that people have different approaches to, to the way that they are charitable, the way that they give money. So sometimes it's, I'm willing to give $18 to each of 10 organizations. I have 180 bucks to give. I'm going to give 18 bucks to each of 10 organizations. And so to me, I'm sort of sprinkling it like confetti. Um, um, for others of us, we have $180 to spend and we want to have more impact. So we're going to give to one organization. And so sometimes what we have to say is I've already, I've given, I've given my charitable contributions for the year, but I so appreciate that the work that you're doing and, and I will consider your, your charity in another year. Um, but, but sometimes that participation factor is important. So um, think about the way that each of you gives and what's important to you about giving and, and try to participate when you can and always at least be considerate when somebody does ask you for money and, and when you're asking for money, try not to take it personally if the answer is no. Awesome uh, perspective. Well, thanks for spending so much time with us. Um, Such a privilege. Thank it's you. Pretty obvious why everyone loves talking with you. <laughs> oh, well. I, I, I genuinely am and touched and honored to have been here. It's wonderful to see so many friends and to make some new ones. So cheers to you. Thank you, Harry Campbell. Same to you. And uh, it's wonderful to see all of you. Be safe and happy new year. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you again soon.